For WCYB Digital Radio, I'm your host, David Browie. Welcome to Payment Security, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by GM SecTech. With operations in 50 countries worldwide and headquartered in San Juan, Puerto Rico, GM SecTech has over 50 years of service in the technology and security verticals. To learn more about GM SecTech, visit gmsectech.com. Joining me today is David Berkner, IT Cybersecurity and Risk Manager with Probe Group, based in Melbourne, Australia. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a topic I love to talk about. Fantastic. I guess the best place to start is always the beginning. If you could tell me a bit about Probe Group, what do you do there and what is your role there? Probe Group is a contact center organization. And, you know, in the past it would have been a call center, but these days contacts a lot more than just voice calls or telephony calls. And AI is a big part of that going forward. When we're the largest in Australia, a big presence in the Philippines, New Zealand, India, and an increasing expansion into the US. About 19,000 people, so you know, a reasonably large company. So quite an extensive network of capabilities, of expertise, quite a lot of different types of customers, I would imagine. I mean, what sort of organizations are you working with? Working in almost every vertical imaginable, a lot of retail, government, utilities, banks and finance. If they have customers and they need to talk to customers or contact customers, then there's a good chance that we're working in that space. So that's pretty much everybody, which is a very good scope to have for a business. You could probably tailor made a solution for pretty much anything that anyone requires when it comes to customer handling. But that obviously raises quite a lot of cybersecurity risks as well. There's a lot of data, I would imagine. What's flowing in and out of the business that you need to be thinking about? A lot of data, also a lot of different standards to meet. You know, all of those different industries have their own industry-specific standards or regulatory requirements, and they will vary country to country. So there's a lot of challenge in that respect. A lot of the data is held by the customers. So from a risk perspective, we don't hold lots of risk around data because in most cases, the customers are holding the crown jewels and we have staff accessing that. But we need to be making sure that the ways we're accessing it and putting controls on are making our customers comfortable. Now, do typically customers come to you and say, we need to meet these standards, this is the requirement we have, our industry needs us to do this, and we expect you to meet that standard, or are you able to provide some guidance about that? How does that part of the engagement work? There's a bit of both. There are the mandatory regulatory requirements that a lot of the industries have, and finance is a good example of that, where there are all sorts of finance-specific requirements. There'll be some where the requirements, government-mandated standards, and that can vary depending on where you are in the world. Certainly, you know, the US is an interesting space where that can vary state to state, whereas in Australia, New Zealand, and a lot of the other countries, it will be one standard for the whole country. And then we will bring some of our own. So, you know, ISO 27001 is something that we will lead with. PCI is a big part of that as well. It's generally mandated that we have PCI because of credit card transactions. But as we'll discuss further, we've also made some decisions on expanding that scope. So for our listeners that may not be aware of PCI and everything that it entails, could you talk us through that a little bit? This is a standard that's implemented by the payment card industry. What is it? How long has it been around? What does it require? been around for a long time and it is primarily there to reduce the likelihood of credit card fraud. So when you have credit card fraud committed against your credit card, one of the great protections for Visa, Amex, MasterCard, etc., is that you won't be held accountable if you've done the right things for your credit cards. The vendor will be held accountable for any fraud, which means the vendors are really well incented to make sure that they are keeping those credit card transactions and details secure because it's them that will wear the cost of any fraudulent transactions. So PCI is the standard that they are held to. 
it's mandated by the PCI Council, as you said, which is made up of that top tier of credit card organisations. So anybody handling this sort of data needs to be compliant with PCI. How much of a process is it to get that compliance? It's not a simple thing from what I understand. It can be quite simple depending on your business. So if you're just a corner store with a payment terminal or point of sale system, it still applies, but it's a small compliance effort and it's designed for those small businesses. For large scale businesses such as ours, it's a program of work. You know, the assessment itself takes about three months each year and there is a program of work that runs throughout the entire year, which is a couple of people's worth of effort for an entire year just to keep that program on track. So covering all sorts of assessments from firewalls down to people's accounts and passwords down to the training that staff get and making sure policies and processes are in place. So it's a really wide variety of controls that are required to meet it. Definitely an important thing to make sure that you've got the right protections in place. One of the things that we hear a lot of talk about now is supply chain risks. When you bring on an organization to provide a service to you, you need to make sure that their cybersecurity protections are in place. It seems like PCI would be a very good attestation for a service provider to demonstrate to customers that you know we are doing the right thing and we've got the right protections in place. Do you find that that's helped when you're dealing with customers? Yeah, definitely for our customers, it's helpful. And it's also helpful for us as a customer of other vendors, because the thing with PCI is it's got mandated settings and controls that need to be applied. So you know that if you're getting an attestation from a vendor, whether it's us providing it to our customers or us reaching out to our vendors for that attestation, we know that there are minimum standards on settings in place. And a lot of the standards don't have those minimum settings. They will mandate that you have a policy and a process, but they won't mandate what the settings are. That's up to you. PCI will mandate what those minimum settings are. So there's a lot of peace of mind that goes along with that attestation. Sometimes it helps to know what you're aiming for, you know, rather than just saying, oh, we need to secure ourselves. You've got some goals and some mandated requirements, some guidelines that you can actually follow and test against. Yeah. And as a good example, or possibly a bad example, if you are, you know, ISO 27001 or one of the other standards that requires you to have a policy around password, it doesn't tell you what the minimum standard is. So you might have a policy for password, but the policy might be a five character password, which is completely insecure. Whereas PCI, and I will say the previous version of PCI, I wouldn't have considered entirely secure, but it was a minimum. But PCI is now mandating 14 character passwords. Paper 13, there's two different standards we're working to at the moment. But regardless, you know that if you have been certified to that, that's a minimum requirement that is being met. Whereas if you have been certified to ISO 27001, all your customer can tell for sure is that you have a policy around passwords, but not what that minimum requirement is. Definitely an important thing. But what's wrong with five character passwords? One, two, three, four, five. That's five characters, right? <laughs> That's a great password. What am I going to do with 14? And once I get past nine, I have to go hexadecimal or something for that. The 14 character passwords, we're doing a lot of training with our staff on them at the moment. And not that difficult to remember if you combine three words in a phrase. So three, four letter words and a number or a character gets you to 14 pretty quick. We do, as many companies do, password cracking exercises on our internal systems just to look for weak passwords. And we know that a weak eight-character password can be cracked in about one millisecond. So it goes up orders of magnitude each time you add a character. So the difference between an eight-character password and a 14-character password is fairly significant. 
So if you can implement that and find a way to educate your users about the importance of that, give them techniques to make that manageable, all part of the security effort there to meet that PCR requirement around robust passwords. Yeah, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head that you can't just mandate your passwords must be 14 characters. There's got to be ways for people to manage that, to remember it. Otherwise, you end up with somebody creating a password that is password, password, or something similar. So we need 14 character passwords, but we need secure 14 character passwords that are usable for people that they can remember because they will need to use them you know, on a daily basis. And the problem here, of course, is that password, password is even longer than 14. And people will say, well, that's enough security, isn't it? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is almost as easy to crack as an eight character password. This is the challenge. So as you said, testing it, monitoring what people are doing, making sure that they're following the right standard is all part of this. The PCI standard is very broad and I mean, it's designed for financial data. Obviously that needs to be protected to a very high level of assurance, but you can use its guidance in other ways and really, I guess, use it as a framework to guide your broader cybersecurity from what I understand. I mean, how have you done that and kind of moved beyond what is mandated by the standard to really use it as a framework basis for broader cybersecurity efforts? It's been our choice, I guess I would start by saying that we have a mandated area where we have to have PCI. We conduct credit card transaction processing for a number of our customers. So in those spaces, it's mandated and we have to have it. But it's been our choice to expand it beyond that. It is a broad standard, but it's a broad standard with defined settings and it can be applied almost anywhere. It can't be audited anywhere because audits or assessments for PCI are specific to the credit card transactions themselves, but the settings can be applied almost anywhere. And what we've found is it is a good broad range of policies with settings that can be applied almost anywhere. And the other thing with our business, contact center businesses ramp up and ramp down really quickly, really often. And by that, I mean, we're coming up to the Christmas holiday period. A lot of our retail customers will have significant increases in work and will be coming to us saying, here are the increase of staff we need over that Christmas period. And we will need to move people around the business. We will need to increase people in parts of the business. So if we apply PCI to the entire business, it means those ramp ups become very straightforward from a cybersecurity perspective anyway. And it also means that as we expand, and we've had significant expansion over the last few years, and a lot of focus moving into the US market at the moment, so there'll be significant expansion there as well, is that if we build everything to the PCI standard and we attract customers that have that as a requirement, it's already in place. We don't have to make changes. Or it might be that they have come to us for a piece of work and that it has expanded out into credit card transaction processing. Again, we don't need to re-engineer. We're ready to go. So that's a really important business capability to be able to scale as you need. Certainly if you're growing organically or if it's by acquisition, you'll need to be able to rely on your work so far with PCI to expand that to cover the new organizations. If you're acquiring a company though to move into a market, how do you get them up to the PCI levels? That would, I imagine that would be an effort that you'd really have to focus on. It is, and we've been through it several times now. And it's a redesign. Sometimes it will be an aggregation of systems. But having gone through it several times already, there's a reasonably well-established playbook now to do it. The real focus becomes the network and making sure that the networks are segregated appropriately. But that tends to happen when you do an acquisition anyway. So there are some things that will happen. And what's key is the IT teams in Probe know that if we're doing an acquisition, they know the right questions to ask around PCI. They're not dependent on my team 
making sure that they're doing the right thing. They've been through it several times and they are very aware of the PCI aspects that affect their day-to-day work. It's so important to have everybody reading from the same hymnal, so to speak, and really understanding the importance of this to the business and mutually working together to move forward on that. Now, a lot of companies certified at things like ISO 27001 GDPR, there are a lot of standards out there. Do you find that the prescriptiveness of PCI makes it preferable compared to standards like that, or do they work together, I suppose, as parts of the whole? They definitely work together. One of the challenges is working out which standard has the most onerous requirements. You know, I mentioned password length earlier. We're migrating three different standards at the moment. 27001 had a new version last year. PCI had a new version last year. And we've got some changes in the Australian government standard all happening at the same time. So one of the challenges is lining up all of the standards and working out, well, which is the highest level of control required and making sure we meet that. PCI tends to be the one that is the most granular on those sorts of settings. So generally, if we stick to PCI, we are probably meeting the other requirements. But when you're going through a project of three standards, all making changes at the same time, then that can become a little difficult. But you just line them all up and work out which is the strongest of the three. Definitely a lot to work with there. Now, of course, making things even more complicated, there is a major update to PCI coming out very soon. This is the PCI 4.0 certification. You are going to be working on this, from what I understand, pretty soon to make that switch over. What does PCI 4.0 entail and how have you approached that with migration? So we're well into it. The aim is to assess internally against that by the end of the year. There's some settings that are mandatory for March next year. There's some settings that are mandatory for March the following year. That process started around this time last year when the standard first was released and just working out what were the gaps. This is a standard that hadn't had a major release for around 10 years. And as you can imagine, the IT and the cyber industry had moved a lot in 10 years. Interestingly, the 27001 standard had also not been updated for 10 years and the new version of that dropped in around the same month as the new version of PCI. A lot of the things that had become outdated, we'd already moved on anyway. So I mentioned the passwords, you know, the password requirement in that previous version of the PCI was seven characters. It's a long time since anybody's used seven character passwords. So there was a big gap assessment to be done. And whether it was good timing or bad timing for two major standards to change at the same time, it meant that we could sit down and do a gap analysis of the two of them and start working towards it and start setting some expectations with the business so that new projects were meeting the new standards rather than new projects happening during 2023. And then we get to 2024 and we have to revisit all of those projects because they're not meeting the new standard. So a lot of planning, a lot of comms and making sure that people were aware that although things hadn't changed in early 2023, they needed to be across them so that they weren't setting themselves up for more work down the track. Definitely an important way to approach it. Now, you've been working with GM SecTech for a long time on this to help support your work around PCI. What sort of role do they play in all of this? And how has that relationship, I suppose, made it easier for you to maintain your PCI compliance? It's interesting. The PCI relationship is different to, say, an ISO 27001. So GM SecTech, the team I deal with there, you know, we all have each other's names in the phones. We will talk on a regular basis. They do the assessments once a year, but we are meeting up throughout the year and they are advisors to us primarily on PCI, but PCI covers most of what we do in the InfoSec space. So there'll be a lot of discussions around what's coming, how we should deal with it, how to interpret 
the new standards because that's also very important. So it is much more of an advisory role than, say, 27001, where we have an auditor for that, but that is largely, we will see you once a year, we'll go through the audit, and we'll see you again the following year. The PCI relationship with GM SecTech and our QSAs there is much more of an ongoing relationship and advisory role. That's so important, particularly in the type of environment that we've been talking about that you guys are maintaining. Now I've seen statistics saying that for a lot of organizations, once they get that PCI stamp of approval, their compliance falls off very quickly. And you know, a year later, they may not be compliant at all. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's so important, as you indicated earlier, that you do this on an ongoing basis, that you commit resources, that you have a whole framework around ensuring that the PCI compliance is ongoing and not just a one-off thing. Yeah, it's really important to have that trust with them because you know you're sharing some fairly sensitive information they also need to understand how the business works so for example in our government space we had some requirements that certain pieces of work and assessments had to be done on site the reports had to be done on site and then all of the supporting data had to stay on site so it was an unusual setup but they understand how a business works and understood that for that part of the business it was the only way to do it Definitely very important to making sure there's a good outcome all around. And now all this talk about PCI and the fact that it's important basically for any company that's handling customer data and financial data certainly begs the question of whether this is a skill that people coming into the industry might want to pursue, that younger people coming in maybe should sort of find themselves really getting involved as QSAs and really working towards this. Does that seem like something that people should be really thinking about? Yeah, it's a topic I'm really passionate about is getting people into the industry. I've spoken numerous times with cybersecurity students, and one of the topics that I typically discuss is governance, risk, and compliance, and the fact that you can do a PCI assessment without any certification. Now, I mentioned the corner store example before, but the templates for the standard and the templates for reporting and assessments are all freely available on the PCI Council site. You don't have to be a certified auditor or assessor to use them. And it's great experience that I push to cyber students to talk to your friends or your family that have a small business or an online business, anything where a credit card is involved, you can perform that assessment. And what I would say to them is, if you can demonstrate that you've got some experience in conducting PCI assessments, that is going to cover far more weight in an interview than any number of certifications you might have, because it's real world experience, but you don't have to have gone out and get a job to do it. And that's generally the toughest part of breaking into the industry is to have some real world experience. And I did notice last night, your team released a podcast on recruiting young people. And I think it opened with that statement of how hard it is for people to get experience and how to get the experience. So PCI as a standard is a really good opportunity for young people and even not so young people trying to get into the industry to get some experience without having to find paid employment to get the experience. Definitely something to think about when people are looking at how they might get into the industry and get some skills that are really business relevant, things that are really going to resonate with potential employers and clients down the track. Yeah. And the cost of a certification, upwards of $1,000, and some of them are more than that. But if you can demonstrate that you've got three friends or family with businesses and you've done PCI assessments on them, you would definitely get to interview stage with me if you were going for an entry-level role. That's a good one to think about. David, thank you so much for your time today and for joining us. My pleasure. I absolutely enjoyed it and love hearing the podcasts and particularly the variation you have on small ones and long ones. So if you're catching the train or in the car, you can listen to them as you go. The perfect amount of time. Thanks again, David. 
Payment security is brought to you by GM SecTech. GM SecTech offers innovative solutions and services in cybersecurity, governance, and compliance focused on managing digital risk. Their solutions are designed to detect advanced attacks and respond to them effectively, reducing business risk, fraud, and cybercrime. To learn more about our sponsor, GM SecTech, visit gmsectech.com.